It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Living with a narcissist can be challenging, but when that person is your parent, it can damage your emotional growth and the ability to trust. Joining us today to talk about how we can understand and heal from narcissistic family abuse is Dr. Carol McBride. Dr. McBride is a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in treatment of trauma. She is the author of several books, including Will the Drama Ever End? Untangling and Healing from the Harmful Effects of Parental Narcissism. Welcome, Dr. McBride. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Dr. Let's begin by defining a narcissist. What type of person would fit that description? Okay. Um, so first of all, we, we have to look at narcissism, I think, as a spectrum disorder. So um, I'm going to talk about the nine traits that are in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of a full-blown narcissist. But I think we have to keep in mind that because it's a spectrum disorder, there's a continuum, Right. So at the low end of the continuum, as you think about these traits, we can all have some of these traits. And then at the other far opposite end is the full-blown narcissistic personality disorder. So the more traits someone has along the continuum, you know, the more problems they're going to have in their parenting, relationships, life, etc. But the uh, diagnostic manual lists nine major traits of the personality disorder. So I'll just give them to you quickly. Um, One is a grandiose sense of self-importance. Two is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Three, believe they are special and unique and should only associate with high-status people or institutions. Four, requires excessive admiration. Five, has a sense of entitlement, like unreasonable expectations of others or favorable treatment or automatic compliance with what they want. Uh, Six, is interpersonally exploitative, meaning taking advantage of others to achieve their own ends. Seven, the big one, lacks empathy or the ability to tune into the emotional world of others. Eight, is envious of others or believes others are envious of them. And nine, shows arrogance, haughty behaviors, or attitudes. So if a person, you just described nine traits, how would you know if a person is a narcissist? Because any one of these, most people have at least one. So how then can we tell if we are dealing with a narcissist? Yeah, that's a good question, Joan, because I, I, think, there, I think there's sort of a general understanding of, in, in the way people talk about narcissism in, in our culture. And a lot of people think it's just someone who's boastful or arrogant or they, they're all about me. They talk about themselves all the time. And, you know, those things are annoying, certainly, but they're not the things that bother me or what I write about. 
particularly because they don't that's not what really hurts people you can just stay away from those kind of people but um, I think the real cornerstone and the red flags to watch out for is the lack of empathy and the inability to tune into the emotional world of other people um, those two things I think are the biggest I also think um, sense of entitlement and interpersonally exploit exploiting others are, mm-hmm. are two other big cornerstones. You know, Doctor, when, when we talk about narcissism, we always, or we usually tend to refer to it as someone we're in a relationship with. And I had never really given thought about having a narcissistic parent. And as you're talking, I can't even imagine what it must be like for a child to grow up with a parent that lacks empathy for that child. Yes very hard to get your head around, (laughs) particularly if you haven't lived it, right? Mm -hmm. But the mantra in what I call the narcissistic family, which means being led, the family being led by one or two narcissistic parents, the mantra is the parents' needs take precedence over the children's needs. So in in a normal, healthy family, you know, the parents are there to take care of the children. In the narcissistic family, that hierarchy is reversed and the children are there to take care of the parents to make the parents happy to make the parents look good Um, so for little children growing up with the lack of emotional tune-in and empathy you know leaves them with lots of devastating effects which is why I wrote this book doctor what do you believe is that the root cause of narcissism I think it's caused from the trauma the parents had And I often get the question, well, does that mean that any of us who grew up in a narcissistic family or had a narcissistic parent, does that mean we're all going to be narcissists? And the answer to that is no. But usually it is caused from trauma. And then if people don't wake up or embrace that, embrace that trauma, a lot of people parent, as you know probably, um, the way they were parented. And so that's why we see it kind of getting passed down the generations because, you know, they don't stop to think, do I really want to do the same thing to my kids that was done to me? What type of emotional damage happens to a child who doesn't get the nurturing that he or she needs in order to become a healthy functioning adult? Well, they end up with internalized negative messages like I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm not worthy. Um, they grew up with kind of a sense of emptiness because they didn't get their emotional tanks filled. Um, they grow up with crippling self-doubt because their feelings were not validated and acknowledged and their, therefore their reality was not acknowledged. Um, oftentimes we see adult children of narcissists uh, having complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Definitely a lack of sense of self. Um, Oftentimes, people come to therapy with this issue, have anxiety because they didn't grow up in a consistent environment, depression, hypervigilance, shame because they carry the family shame because they they think it was all their fault. Um, They have difficulty trusting because they have impaired trust because they couldn't rely on their parents to take care of them properly. Um, oftentimes they have problems with relationships and definitely an impaired emotionally emotional development. Um, 
emotional development delay, not necessarily, um, not, not completely suppressed, but um, impaired. So because these children grow up to have that lack of emotional development, I would think that they might even become people pleasers or wanting to take care of people because that's what they know. Are they more apt to attract a narcissist into a relationship? Yeah, that's a good question, too, because I I believe that when we grew up in a narcissistic family, we learn it's, it's great training ground for codependency. And codependency is I'm going to take care of you to the exclusion of taking care of myself. So oftentimes adult children will be, you know, have that level of uh, codependency that they have to work on in treatment. And then do they attract narcissists? Yes, sometimes that's the case um, because we tend to be attracted to the familiar until we work our own recovery. And a narcissist can be extremely charming. Absolutely. That's where, you know, in recovery you really work on learning what to watch for and learning for the, you know, what to, what red flags, you know, to, to be aware of. And what are some of those red flags, Doctor? Well, again, I always go back to the lack of empathy, the inability to allow someone to be themselves, the inability to tune into someone else's feelings, always wanting control, always wanting things to go their way, um, you know, as well as some of the grandiosity. Is the first step in recovery and, and in healing, is that to recognize that your parents were narcissists? Yes, I, I don't think we can really do this recovery unless we accept that something wasn't right, that this parent has a disorder, and that's why the person was treated that way, um, because they can't, people can't really move into um, the trauma work, the grief work, the, you know, rebuilding sense of self work, um, if they don't really understand where it came from. They... They just think there's something wrong with them. Do you think the parents are even aware of their behavior? I would say yes and no. I think there are some narcissists who, who are, they know that they're hurting you. Um, they want to hurt people in some way because of their own issues, their own self-loathing. And then I think there are some, some traits that a narcissist doesn't recognize, like projection, because a narcissist doesn't deal with their own embrace and deal with their own feelings. They project them onto others. So, you know, if I'm the narcissistic mother and you're the daughter and I'm, I feel angry and I'm not dealing with my anger, I may be saying, Joan, why are you acting so angry today? <laughs> you know, they just, they project. And I'm, I'm not sure they're aware of those projections. I know this is a, a strong word to use, but do you think that this is a form of child abuse? Yes, I do. It's emotional and psychological abuse. And, of course, narcissists can also be physically and sexually abusive as well. So this type of abuse would go unrecognized. If a child were to go to a counselor and the parents look like they're these charming, wonderful parents, how does a child get to be believed in that situation? That's a really good question. The, the therapist has to know what to look for, you know, to see does this child... How comfortable is this child with expressing feelings and really talking about what's going on with them? Can they even identify feelings, you know? 
or are they coming from a family where you don't have feelings, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're there to conscript to the mold of what the parent wants you to be. So this is why oftentimes people don't figure this out until they become adults. And, and, you know, an interesting twist on that, if I might, um, a lot of times people come to treatment as adults after they have their first child because all of a sudden they feel this incredible, unconditional love for this baby, you know, like I take a bullet for this child. And then it dawns on them, like, well, who had that for me? How does someone get through that? Well, I divided this book into three parts. Um, And the third part, the first part is just understanding it all. The second part is understanding the effects it had. And then the third part of the book is the recovery program. And when I figured this out years ago, um, I I started working on a five-step recovery program that I just have enhanced greatly in the third part of this book. Um, So, you know, I see five steps to kind of working through this kind of trauma. Would you briefly share those five steps with us? The first step we call acceptance and grief. By grief, I mean embracing the trauma. So in step one, we're accepting that the parent had a disorder, wasn't okay, and then then we have to work through the trauma and, and process and feel the trauma. And that takes quite a while to do. Um, then we work on separation individuation, which is step two. And what that means is we have to separate ourselves from this dysfunctional family web, um, psychologically, not geographically. And step three, and of course there are a lot of things we do in all these steps. Um, step three then is I didn't get to build my own sense of self as an adult child. So step three is um, now I get to become my own authentic self. Then when we get to step four, we deal with now how are we going to deal with this family, our narcissistic parent, maybe the enabling parent, maybe the siblings. Um, are we going to we make a, a contact decision? You know, are, are we going to go no contact because it was too toxic? Are we going to do what I call civil connect, which is superficial, but we still have a connection? Um, and we learn how to set boundaries. Um, so we can deal with them differently and not be so reactive to them. And then the last step is ending the what I call the legacy of distorted love. Um, like, have I attracted narcissistic friends? You know, what's my value system in terms of parenting my children? And looking at love relationships and patterns and, you know, did do I tend to be a dependent or a codependent in love relationships? And then finally, you know, looking at what, what traits did that person pick up themselves that they may want to really embrace and work on in recovery. So they're really working in the last step on ending the legacy. Doctor, for someone who's listening to you right now and is suffering in pain from that type of upbringing, what do you say to him or her? I say that, first of all, this isn't about hate, blame, anger. It isn't about going and attacking your parents. Um, I think this work is an inside job. I think we really have to embrace our own feelings about it and do our own recovery. I think recovery is extremely important. People can do it with the book because the third part has a lot of journaling and a lot of exercises to do on your own. Um, And then I usually 
encourage people if they can work those steps with a therapist, that's even better because then they get more validation, you know, and that's because of so much self-doubt. The therapist can really validate for them and say, that's not okay. That was not okay. So if someone is willing to do the work, there is hope for healing. Absolutely. And I would want anyone listening to, to really know that even though the work is hard, recovery changes your life. The book is Will the Drama Ever End? Untangling and Healing from the Harmful Effects of Parental Narcissism. If you would like to learn more about Dr. McBride and her work, you can visit carolmcbridephd.com. That's K-A-R-Y-L, carolmcbridephd.com, or willieverbegoodenough.com. Doctor, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you, Joan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.